Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Stedden. And I'm Rob Olson, and we are here to bring you the third and final episode of our StokerCon coverage. The third of our Thrillogy? Did I lamely say that last time? Thrillogy? No, you didn't say it lamely. Confidently? Okay, confidently. So this episode we are bringing you the uh, panel, Right Between the Ears, Podcasting for Horror Writers, that we participated in in its entirety. The panel took uh, place um, on the Queen Mary, in case you haven't heard uh, any of the previous StokerCon episodes. And and there was, so I want to explain, there was a a little bit of um, confusion um, about the panel. And and I only say this because at some point, a guy named Alex is going to show up in the middle of the panel, and it's going to seem like, oh, this guy like showed up really late or something. No. Uh, In the program uh the panel was listed to be in a completely different room as a matter of fact it was on a different floor like a half floor or something weird if you've ever been on a big boat that it's the the number of floors seems to be a little off uh so i think he had some trouble finding us and of course the show must go on we went on without him but he did figure it out eventually and i know i know for a fact that he was there because we saw him and Rob's kind of nudged me and pointed at the guy in the pseudopod shirt. And I said, yeah, that's probably the guy from pseudopod. <laughs> so we know he was there on time. He just didn't make it to the panel on time. And I'm pretty sure that was um, had something to do with the program uh, having a misprinted or incorrectly advised room, I think. Right, Rob? Yes. So to no fault of his own, um, Alex, our pseudopod, um, showed up late Um yeah, there was. Uh, we were originally scheduled to be, or we were on the on the program, listed as being in the wedding chapel, but we were like, basically directly below the wedding chapel in a different room, um, and so, yeah, everybody, everybody had a little bit of trouble finding it and getting getting settled and everything. But, you know, consummate professionals that we are, we were there super early to figure that shit out. Not saying that Alex isn't. I'm not throwing any shade there. <laughs> Just saying that we are like doggedly careful about doing the doing shit right i also want to say that we were scheduled at the exact same time as the big and i'm air quotes book signing um which took place halfway (laughs) between this so we actually some people stayed to see our panel that did not go get books signed by big name authors so that was kind of cool although you know would have been kind of cool to be able to have more because i'm sure some people had to pick Right. I'm sure we weren't. Maybe that's what Alex was doing. Maybe he was getting book signed or something. He's like, <laughs> I'll get that panel when I can. I don't know. That could have been it. But uh, either way, so here's here's actually what the description of the panel was in the program. Uh, right between the ears, podcasting for horror writers. Um, the moderator, by the way, for this panel is Lee Murray. She'll probably introduce herself uh, in the audio, but um, just want to give her credit. She was our moderator. who flew all the way from freaking New Zealand, which is, that's where... Um, yeah that's where you throw rings into volcanoes just to be on a panel with us too yeah yeah yeah, exclusively for that reason i was i was impressed um it made flying from chicago seem like not such a big deal (laughs) um but here's the description for the panel this panel will look at the many facets of podcasting for horror writers as well as the basics of starting your own panelists include michael paul gonzalez from larkspur underground olivia snett and rob olson from booked and alex hofflich from pseudopod very cool stuff it's us talking about the craft <laughs> i can't even say that with a straight face <laughs> like, like what we do as a craft um the craft now you're talking about that that movie from the 90s with um that uh, is what's an her amazing name? movie yeah, that's a yeah, great movie and that 
and the other chick too from that other movie. Yeah, but there's it's got that one chick. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> anyway, here is right between the ears podcasting for horror writers. Yeah. Okay. So welcome to this panel on podcasting. Um, I know nothing about podcasting. What I know about podcasting is, you know, basically limited to recording the message on my answer phone. So, so when they asked me to um, moderate this, I thought, okay, this will be good because I'll learn something. And certainly, we've got some experts here. So, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their experience with podcasting and and why they're on this panel. And then we've got some questions. And then towards the end, if you've got any any questions you'd like to ask from the floor, then we'll throw throw it open. So if that's okay, Rob, I'll I'll start with you. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here, and um, that'd be great. Great. Well, I guess we could kind of introduce, Livius and I are, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livius Nutton. And that's what it sounds like at the beginning (laughs) of our podcast. we do a podcast called Booked, um, and we've been doing that for six years mm-hmm. now. We're at about 350 episodes, so we've been doing it quite a while. What our podcast is about is book reviews. We interview authors. We record live readings and stuff as well. Um, so it's kind of a mix of talking about books, hearing readings, and stuff like that. And other general book-related, and sometimes not so book-related content. We've done a couple of movie reviews. We just recorded an episode on time travel, yeah, um, which we had a lot of fun doing, um, but it's been great uh, a great way to connect with people we would have never had a chance to, to connect with, so we're very excited to keep doing that. Uh, Michael Gonzalez. Uh, my podcast was supposed to have launched earlier this week, but uh, we're still in the final edit phases and recording some pickup stuff, but it's called uh, Larkspur Underground, and it's <clears throat> uh, more of an audio drama um, that's, if you're familiar with the podcast Serial that was a big hit about uh, trying to solve this decades-old murder, this, this is kind of following in that vein, so it's more like Serial meets Silence of the Lambs, I guess. So mine is more full audio cast, you know, recording, sound effects, music, the whole thing. Um, you know, limited run, 10, 11 episodes, uh, hopefully multiple seasons. We'll see how, you know, how popular it gets. But, uh, yeah, that's me. So we're going to come back to Michael and ask about production problems later. Oh, yes. <laughs> that might be a good idea. <laughs> so, okay, so obviously we've got an, a pretty expert panel here. Um, you know, um, horror in the audio format is not new. Um, in terms of radio, horror's been around a really long time. There's, um, there's been dramatizations of pretty much everything from Dracula right through to, well, Edgar Allan Poe's War of the Worlds. So, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's very, podcasts have really only been around since 2000s. So do you guys want to talk a little bit about that, talk about the history of it and why we're seeing so, so much of a prolification of, of podcasting now? I think that as the world became more on demand, it's how we take in our TV shows, it's how we take in our movies. I'm sure almost everybody here has a Netflix account and is nearly abandoned, you know, going between channels 2, 5, 7, and 9 for, for your content. 
Um, and I, I think it gives people, I, I grew up listening, loving radio and loving radio DJs and morning talk shows and stuff. Uh, and the nice thing now is that I can get that whenever I want. I no longer have to sit in my car an extra 15 minutes here. Jonathan Brandmeier, for those of you who may remember him as a, see, yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, to catch the rest of that, I can go and download the episode and listen to it whenever I want. And I think not just regarding horror, but podcasts in general, um, it's just an easier way to get your content. As we continue to move in that direction, I, I honestly feel, if it weren't for satellite radio, I, I think that most people, even in their cars now for their music, would be nearly 100% on, on listening to streaming services. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, there's also the, uh, I think it's pro proliferating more because of the low cost, low barrier of entry. I mean, you can literally... If you wanted to just use your phone to, you know, to make an entire podcast, you can. And then obviously, most people, you know, most everyone, almost everyone starts with their, you know, cheap microphone, and then upgrades and upgrades and upgrades. Um, and I think also, uh, you're seeing a lot of shows and podcast ideas now that are. Uh, I think Hollywood is taking notice because you're seeing a lot of people who have pitched shows that didn't get picked up. Uh, there's a new podcast called Bronzeville that just. Uh, premiered earlier this year with Lawrence Fishburne, huge cast, um, which literally they pitched it to networks. It didn't get picked up. They're like, all right, we're going to make a podcast out of this. And it's kind of exploding and, you know, uh, rising up the charts and opening new doors for them as well. Um, there's another one called Limetown uh, that was uh, one season long. It was supposed to be multiple seasons, but <clears throat> halfway through the first season, Hollywood came calling for them. And they're like, hey, you want to make this into a show? And they're like, okay, you know, so... I think people are seeing that there's a lot of different things you can do beyond content production. It's just a lot of uh, good ways to to get yourself out there with your ideas. Yeah, it's um, thinking about it too. It's low cost. It's a very low cost situation. So there are plenty of people in the world who are voice actors, who are you know writers, who you know work in theater and stuff like that, who have these awesome ideas. But it might be crazy difficult to produce that. You know on film, but if you just did it as an audio podcast, there's almost no barrier of cost. So, yeah, it's really kicking open the door for a lot of people to just kind of either start something or dabble or create something really cool. And the best part about that is, I think, is that we're seeing some some really weird content out there that may have not gotten backing from a network or whatever. So I, I think of Welcome to Night Vale. I don't know that anybody would have produced that with any money resources, and it's absolutely brilliant content, um, and we can all listen to it, but if it would have been up to NBC to bring it to us, we'd never know what that story is. So. Yeah. Right. Okay, so... Um can you tell us a bit about what you think the appeal of audio is as a, as a medium for horror? Why audio as opposed to some, you know, we can read it. Why is audio different? What, what makes it special? Well, for me, I think, I think, well, it's two things. I mean, one, you're, you're putting content directly, in, literally into your head. Like, you have to, you know, put things in your ears or, you know, sound is coming into your head to, to make things happen, whether it's... <laughs> I know it sounds weird, so like you're you're it's very intimate. Like you're you're getting you know ideas uh, direct from someone. If if it's the case of like an audio drama, you have to make things happen in your mind. When when you're hearing a story told or or you know someone doing a reading or an interview, your brain will start putting you know images and pictures together with that. So it's very engaging, I think, um, to you know more immediate. 
I, yeah, I, I the first thought I had was kind of similar to what Mike's saying is um, that it, you're still relying on your imagination. Like you're getting some of it delivered through audio, but like the monster is what your mind makes it. So like it's it's pretty much the best representation of what that scary thing could be is what your mind, you know, kind of creates it to be. So yeah, you know, I just feel like it's it's it can give you an opportunity to make the story more what your your mind wants it to be. And it's digestible in small little pieces over time. I get the feeling that my co-panelists are going to come up with all the really interesting answers and I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit. Um, audio <laughs> is something you can do anywhere. So I can't watch a movie in my car on my way to work and I can't read a book or on the I guess you could on the treadmill at the gym, but it's really accessible anywhere and I think that that's very appealing to people um, in that I listen to um, I listen to podcasts for the hour before I have to start my real job. I mean, like I'm there, but I can just have stuff on playing in my head. And I couldn't read a book at that time because they'd probably fire me, and I'd have to find a podcast that <laughs> pays money for for me to do it. So um, I, I think it goes back to a little bit ease of use. You can take it with you anywhere. So. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. But I, I like this idea of visceral because you know why is that different from you know from being from from reading a book? We can we can all. We can read a book. We can have that in our imagination. But I think you know you're carried along with the character, with the with the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, so in fact, it is quite visceral. It's quite an emotional experience uh, when you're listening. Um, you can't probably do it in the shower, but I, I agree with you. It's it's uh, a little bit more portable than a book. <laughs> waterproof Bluetooth. Yep. Yeah. I was just going to say. There's, yeah. Oh, these guys have got there's, all the answers. Yeah. There's no barriers. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, uh, in, in Lightspeed, you get, for example, in their podcast, you get the, the title and the author, and then you get a story. Um, and in some of the other some of the other podcasts out there, I know Pseudopod, we don't have Alex with us, but they have um, they have a regular host, and then there's a discussion afterwards. And uh, so, you know, I, I want to talk about a little bit about the the role of the host, and you guys can talk to this, obviously. You know, the role of the host in, in providing that content and adding that sort of extra value, and uh, and how important is that? Absolutely vitally important. The host cannot be done without. Um, not kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think in, on our podcast, the, the bulk of what we do is, is Rob and I met many years ago, and we both read. We didn't really read the same thing, so we'd recommend books to one another, and we'd, we'd talk about them. We'd have these great discussions. So sometime after Rob left the company that we worked for, we, we would have these conversations in email or whatever, and he says, hey, you know, this is a really great thing. Why don't we record this and put it on the Internet? And I go, sure. i sure we'll do this three times before we get bored with it. Um, we're able to kind of break down and have a discussion uh, about books. Uh, let me take a step back. I, I work with somebody who also reads and reads the kinds of things I would never consider really reading. Um, but she has nobody to talk with them about. So I found someone I can talk with them about. And our listeners then can kind of, I want to say, participate in the conversation. but can hear two people break down a book that they're interested in. And I think that, uh, at least in the content that we provide, that's really what it is. It's, it's listening to two guys who have no background in anything, who just like reading books, talk about books. So I think that uh, we get a lot of writers who listen, and I think they take some tips, or sometimes think that we're way off base with, with, uh, with the discussions that we have. But ultimately, for us, we're the end user. We're, we're not other writers. We're not academics. We're the people you want to it's buy like your books. On the whole yep. yeah. And it's on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so I, I, I think for what, clearly with what we do, there are no stories to be told. So yeah, we wouldn't have a podcast. It's, it, it's just us. But um, we try to deliver content that will be engaging for people and that we're going to break it down, hopefully like you break it down when you read a book. My podcast doesn't have a host. So. <laughs> yeah, so, mine's more War of the World style, so it just drops you straight into it. Yeah. So, so yeah. you're looking at more the, the common man, you, you're the online book club, so people mm -hmm. can, can tap in and listen and be part of this book club. Can they phone in? We, uh, sure, yeah. We had, yeah <laughs> I mean, not live while it's being recorded, obviously, but yeah, we can have, we do have participation from listeners and stuff like that. Um, for sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I guess there's also then, you know, if you're talking about the everyday person and their general view, um, readers, consumers, you can also have that higher level analysis yeah. um, that perhaps isn't being done elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, our focus specifically is like, we read this thing and this is what we liked, this is what we didn't like, you know, so. Um, my opinion has changed on books after having a conversation where yeah. maybe I saw something that, that he thought, and I said, you know, maybe I didn't quite get that, and, and it can change my opinion on something that I read, which, again, I don't know that that's something you can get from reading a written review. I, I don't read a lot of written reviews, but... Um, yeah, because there's like yeah. a back and forth that like it makes you think, oh, maybe I didn't realize that was how that was going down, or maybe I overlooked that important thing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things I like about their show is very much like at the movies, for anyone that remembers Siskel and Ebert, it's, it's very back and forth interplay. Um, and it, it, it's cool to see, like, of all things, books. But, you know, you see, like, sports shows like that and, you know, movie reviews, TV reviews. So it's really cool to have a show, you know, from, from the common man. Uh, not that you guys are common. Well, no, I didn't mean it like that. But, you know, it is. It's an every, every man's point of view, which, is, which we want to hear, you know. I think that's important. Yeah. But I think your original question, um, how important is the host in a situation where it's more like a, like an audio drama kind of thing? Yeah. Or an, I guess an audio story or something. I will say that um, kind of like if a TV show has too long of an opening credit scene, if there's the same thing that happens at the beginning of every episode of a podcast before I get to the new content, that does kind of take me out of it. That's kind of like, oh man, I gotta skip past this. I'm hitting that 15 second button a couple of times. Um, but if it is new original content that happens every time, like, hey, these are the hosts, this is what's going on, and then here's a story you can listen to, I, I think that would be good. But yeah, so hosts, I think, need to provide a constant stream of something new, not just like, you know, dropping in the same thing every beginning and end. And yeah. a message from our sponsor. Right, yeah. Like that, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, now that you say it, TV shows have started that. Um, what's the, what do they do after The Walking Dead? Talking Dead. And, and there are more TV shows that are doing that now where you watch the show and now here's Chris Hardwick for half an hour afterwards. So yeah, I think the people in general are finding that, that the open discussion format is, is working for them as part of the, the story experience. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm learning some things, so this is good. Okay, so um, when one of my colleagues says that when it comes to podcasts, content is king, and so moving on from what you're, what you're saying about the interview and having new content, would you agree with that? You know, is it, is it, is it that important, or can we just chat? We're going to go to Michael on this. <laughs> that is a loaded, yeah. Yeah, I think it could be both. Like, for... 
I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, my show is completely scripted, so it's going to be something different every week, but all, you know, building towards something. Um, I would think for, you know, for a hosted show, um, I think you can sometimes just start with, like, the kernel of an idea and just bat something around until, see what comes out of that. You know, there's a little bit of improv that goes along with that as well. I definitely have heard that on some episodes of Booked where <laughs> things are, you know, here's what we're talking about. Oh, we're taking a right turn and just, you know, we're going to follow this other path for the rest of the show. So, um, yeah, there has to be like some sort of direction that something's going in. So like if you're too scripted, I think one of the problems can happen is that it doesn't sound like um, you're enjoying it. Like you're just kind of reading off of, it's just kind of, you know, uh, it sounds scripted. It sounds kind of just, you know, in, not genuine. Um, so improvising, just kind of taking an idea and running with it can be oftentimes like the best content when it's a discussion um, because then you're being like as true to who you are and who your like thoughts and what your thoughts and opinions are. Um, as long as you're good at that. <laughs> like, some people probably need to stick to the script because <laughs> they don't have the, the, you know, the approach or the, the personality that lends toward, you know, um, just kind of having an off-the-cuff conversation. But um, other people do, and that's when, like, like, some of the best stuff that, well, I guess, reflectively on our own podcast, the things that I've enjoyed the most are things that we never expected to talk about. That, right. Uh, whether it's when we're doing an interview and then suddenly someone says, oh, you have to know about this, and we didn't even know that that was something that we could ask a question about, but they volunteered it and took us down that road. So, um, yeah, I guess it depends on how good you are at doing the improv thing. From a listener's standpoint, we, we have... Um, we get a, a good amount of feedback and um, some people won't listen to the book reviews which is fine because quite honestly I'm only going to listen to a book um, that's being reviewed if personally I've read it and yeah. then want to hear a discussion so we get a little bit of that um, but episodes or parts of episodes so we usually do if we're reviewing a book the first half is the book review and then it's really whatever sometimes it's about like Rob's day at work or just like weird things that happened to him when he was a kid because a lot of weird things happened <laughs> when he was a kid <laughs> Um, and quite honestly, I, I know listeners um, tend to lean into that very hard. And like I said, a lot of that's not scripted. It may just be one word on the notes that we share before we do it. Um, but I feel like we have the most fun doing that. And I think that, that, I think that listeners understand that and have more fun with us when we're, we're kind of off the cuff, I guess. It, it sounds a lot to me like the difference between you know when you're writing pantsing versus plotting, mm -hmm. and you know you can have a lot of fun pantsing mm -hmm. something. You've got a kernel of idea, and you just run with it, see where it goes, and those are quite those are quite exciting writing sessions. And then on the other hand, you can have plotting, and you're structured, you know where you're going, and that can be quite give you confidence, and you can actually get a really good quality piece of work out. So, um, so I, I guess we're you know both both place both things have a place. Um, yeah. The, the, the unscripted and the, the less, the more, you know, let's just see where this goes. But I, yes, I, yes, absolutely. But I will say that the preparation and knowing what you're talking about is absolutely necessary. Um, when we are going to interview someone, we have to know as much as we can about them before we talk to them mm -hmm. because we don't want to sound like, oh, hey, um, let me ask you this general question that anybody would ask anybody ever which is boring, or we also don't want to sound like, we don't, don't want to sound like we don't know what they do. So we have to prepare when we're talking to someone 
in order to kind of spark those really deep, good conversations. So preparation is very key. Yeah. And the, com the comfort of knowing, hey, I'm really prepared for this, lets you do that kind of yeah. off-the-cuff stuff better. Well, today, for the first time in six years, we're going to break a rule. We're going, we have interviews scheduled with people who we've never read anything by before because we're here and we have some interviews scheduled. So we wouldn't even talk to somebody if we hadn't read the book that they, that they wrote, one of their books. And in some cases, maybe just a novella or a couple of short stories. But, uh, and yesterday, I was stressing out, and Rob knows why. I was like, I'm, I'm Googling things about yeah. people, and that's not how I feel like I should prepare for this. Right. I should kind of get in their head a little bit through their writing. So yeah, being prepared when you're going to talk about something is is definitely key. I don't do interviews. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, maybe this is a question for Michael then about um, if you're doing if you're doing a story or or a dramatization, how important is the narrator's voice to the story, and and you know do we listeners even care? Does it I, matter? I think I, I've I've had a couple of interesting conversations with people about that. Um, I think it depends how the story is structured, but you definitely it's good to have somebody whose voice fits the tone of the piece that's being done. Um, like I don't think I or Livius would particularly be great for certain types of kids' stories if it was like whimsical, you know, Smurfs take Manhattan kind of thing. Or maybe it would. Maybe it would be awesome. Who knows? Um, but yeah, especially for what for what I'm doing in audio drama, I have to you know I'm obviously casting actual you know parts and and matching people to roles. Um, but another thing, I was talking to somebody else who listens to a lot of podcasts, and they they one of the things they brought up is that because um, I've been having some audio quality issues, and you know he said a lot of times when it's when he's listening to it, it kind of catches your ear for you know 30 seconds, 60 seconds, but if the story hooks you. You kind of let go of some of the some of that stuff, like oh, this narrator's not perfect, oh, the sound quality's not perfect, but you know, this is I'm in, you know, I'm I'm bought in, I'm I'm gonna take this ride. So I have the content first. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Welcome to Welcome. the panel, <laughs> <laughs> Alex <laughs> from Pseudopod. Uh, Apologize for my tardiness. No, that's fine. It's lovely to have you here, and so you can jump into this question, and and that would be great. So. We were asking about um, the narrator's voice and how important it is, and do listeners care um, if we're true to the story, original story heritage? Um, so, some people really do care, it, it, especially. I know we try and make a, a strong effort at, at trying to match up the right narrator for the right story. Um, I know uh, one one of the uh, one of one of the critiques that will be uh, brought up on a regular basis is. Had um, some of our Australian re readers or listeners really kind of breaks verisimilitude when it's not quite the right accent. And we had a Bunyip story years ago that was read by a New Zealander, and it's <laughs> close but not quite. No, it's and, nothing <laughs> like it. <laughs> so, so having 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 the right voice really lends a very nice verisimilitude and helps. It helps frame the story really well. It, it, it helps put the person in a location, um, and it helps. It, it also, you know, some things where it, it helps with gender identification of, of the protagonist, um, or ambiguity of that. If you go with somebody that's that's more non-binary, right. I guess I should ask a question quickly about how easy is it to find those voice talents. It, it is. I, I know. I know. We've 
had a lot of challenges trying to find the perfect voices. Um, uh, podcast, our, our fantasy uh, uh, podcast, they, they held a story for over a year looking for the right voice because it needed to be, that yeah, was a post-Katrina New Orleans story and it needed to have African-American post-Katrina voice. Uh, it, it, and so they were hunting for somebody who was willing to get in front of a microphone and read for an hour um, to, to, to be able to present the, the, the right you know, quality for that story. And, and do you get feedback from listeners that, that in a positive way that you've taken that time to find? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and from, from authors as well, where we get some really positive, if, um, I, for example, we ran um, a story by Alyssa Wong, who's Filipina, mm -hmm. um, and we, we found a Filipina narrator to be able to get the, the pronunciation of, of some of the, the pieces, and you know, she really appreciated that we went to the effort of, of finding somebody that, that was a, a heritage speaker you know, for, for that story. And does that mean you're getting better content, you know, authors are coming to you with better stories and better quality Absolutely. Stories. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. When we, uh, we had um, Jeffrey Craner from Welcome to Night Vale on for an interview one time, and um, we were talking about how they had um, turned, uh, they had taken their episodes and made, them, made books out of them, and one of the things that I guess backlash they got from, or no, I'm sorry, the novel. There was the novel first and then they made books out of their episodes. But the novel, some backlash they got about that is that um, it wasn't written from the, the Cecil character's narration. And the thing that people love so much about that show is, is the narrator. His voice was, is basically like kind of what people show up for in a lot of cases. Obviously mm -hmm. the content, but like they love his voice so much and they love how he presents it that they had a lot of trouble when they actually were reading the novel that they didn't have that part of the show so um, his voice is great I don't know if yeah. you've listened mm -hmm. to it or not but like his voice is amazing but it added like its own characteristic to the podcast that for some people it was difficult to get past when it wasn't there so yeah. I, I bought an audio book two weeks ago from one of my uh, of one of my favorite books, and I got five minutes into it and couldn't listen to it because of the narration. Yeah, and, and the narrator. I'm not going to name the book or the narrator. <laughs> the narrator is also a very well known narrator, which I thought this was a perfect match, and it was just yeah, yeah. So so, so we can get it wrong mm -hmm. yeah. as well as get Absolutely, it right. Absolutely, sure. So. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's just a matter of you know um, your how, how you handle a voice too, like. Serial was a massively popular podcast, and I got five minutes in that first episode, and I was like, I can't do this girl's voice. So that's yep. it. That was it for me. So, oh, I guess I could have sped it up or slowed it down to change the voice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I think sometimes the voice just doesn't work with the person listening. So that's, but that's a variable you can't account for. It's just going to happen. So. Well, I think that's the same, too, of a style of writing. You might not like a particular writer's style of writing, and sure. so that's, you know, the story not, what might not resonate for you. So I think yeah. it's the same for listeners, surely. Sure. Um, what about in terms of, you know, for, for you, obviously, casting, casting voice actors for, for dramatization, obviously it must to do with, you know, um, 
how those voices bounce off each other if you've got conversations going on. In a yeah, I mean, I have the benefit of actually, I live in LA, so um, there's a little bit of a wider pool to choose from <laughs> yeah. here. Um, but I'm, I'm friends, I mean, you, you can't live here and not be friends with someone who's trying to be an actor, and they have <laughs> friends who want to be actors, and that's what, we call, of, that's what we call cheap labor. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of the cast is just people that are all in the same theater troupe or have you know come up together. Um, I got lucky slash. But one of the big problems I have is that the uh, the story focuses on this woman, and from the moment I started writing, I knew uh, Rebecca Tripp is the actress I wanted to play this voice, and um, this woman is the last surviving victim of this horrific serial killer's little murder facility out in Colorado and she comes out and she's like yeah I want to do this and then uh, you know I'm like I'm finishing the script she's like okay and you know we're getting ready and she's like I'm gonna be having a baby soon <laughs> I was like oh that's gonna throw a wrench into things and and it has a little bit uh, scheduling wise but um, it's um, I, I didn't want to lose her for the project so I, I think that's the big thing is like if you find the voice and you think it's the right voice you know you, you definitely like I I will do whatever I have to do. I'll go to her. We'll find, you know, we'll record in her bathroom, <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. But you know, you definitely want the the right people in the right roles. Well, that's interesting because basically what you're saying is that the voice and the character can can drive the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think it's a it's a huge part of it. I think you want people to to connect with. Uh, you know, not just connecting with the character and who they are, but I think that's the benefit of, of audio is like you hear them and you kind of, you're forced to create this person in your head and once that starts happening, then you're, you're connecting with them. And I think it makes a big difference to have the right person in there. Right. Okay, well, um, we're gonna go and talk about the business now. Uh, <laughs> and let's talk about um, podcasts as part of a business model. And I know that free is is generally the price point, and um, and let's talk a little bit about that and how people are using podcasts as a way of building a business, you know, around story. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to give away too many secrets because okay, we are okay. rolling in dough. Here. More people that get in, hard yeah, it's going to be. You saw the helicopter that we flew in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, because there are lots of different ways that people are using podcasts to, to create business and to bring people to, to their business. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, that's one of the things um, that a lot of people do kind of use it as like a, a stepping stone to something, whether it's reach, reaching a wider audience. There's a ton of stand-up comedians now. That's sort of where the podcast boom started was in the stand-up comedy community uh, because they could connect to fans for free and then people would be like, hey, when are you coming here? And then all of a sudden they're seeing their attendance at their shows go up and up and up and up. And I think um, with writers, with, with content producers, it's sort of the same thing. You start to you build these little armies of people that will follow you uh, onto the next whatever it is. Yeah. Um, an example I can think of, there's an author named Seth Harwood. He's a crime writer in the San Francisco area who, with one of his books, he serialized it in episodes of a podcast. Mm. Um, and it was the podcast was basically um, a vehicle to get to an audience so that people would know his writing. And because of that, he basically built his writing career around the fact that he gave his book away for free as a podcast, and it brought an audience. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely that aspect where yeah, people will use a podcast to get to their actual like main content. 
Yeah, I think it's quite common now. I think um, I know Jake Bible's doing it, Scott Sigler's doing it, Phil Rossi. There's quite a few writers now that are using that as a sort of platform for creating yeah. creating business. Yeah, I was going to mention Scott Sigler. He was he was one of the folks you know back a decade that, that built you know built a lot of his success entirely off of giving away content for free at the beginning. Yeah. 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 And I think um, you know, there's there's Lightspeed and Clark's World who are giving away the podcast, um, you know, once a week, and then that's the idea is to bring in subscribers, so you get that sponsor message. Come come visit us. We've got more content over here. So as a sort of a loss leader, um, what it's do you all, think? It's all a loss leader. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of loss in podcasts. <laughs> when we started, we never had the intention, and, and I'm pretty sure we still don't have the intention um, to, to make any money doing it. Um, we did it for fun. Um, we did eventually um, accept a, a Patreon subscriptions, which basically pay for the hosting and, and some equipment upgrade and, and a really, really cool trip to Long Beach. Um, but, I mean, we're, we're not going to quit our jobs. I, I, we would, um, but it's, it's not the model that we're really looking after. We've had really weird offers to advertise things for people and um, yeah. we, we haven't and I, I'm not going to say that we won't if it's the right thing at some point mm-hmm. um, but for us as I said we're terrible at the business aspect of it because we don't do any marketing we don't we kind of do our thing and, and hope that people like it and hope that they will tell other people that like it yeah. and really the, the biggest boon for us is seeing this the the listener numbers name subscriber just to catch an episode where you know that you've captured the imagination of more people than you did a month yeah. ago with something so, so and, and not that sound, yeah thing. it's not oh, yeah, we're 100 we're not saints but really that's the biggest reward we have is being able to connect with people um but yes if we could do pseudopod money we would <laughs> <laughs> we would take that oh lies so. well we most of that money is, is based <laughs> on a decade of, of, of uh, you know work, but oh, it's know. Uh, yep. you know yep. peanuts yep. more. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of, one of the things that podcasting can actually help from a, a business standpoint is is like the small self supporting business where you you need to have not one product that you sell lots of. You need to have lots of little things with all everything with a little financial tail. And you know, podcasting can be one of those pieces. So you've got, you know, you've got a novel that has a tail, and you know, you can bring in from the podcast, and it can be one of a, you know, myriad of products. That that's that's one of the, the places where where the podcast could really fit in for, you know, for authors. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. There's no one answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for the one answer. Yeah. <laughs> But I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of inspired by, um, you know, I think Starship Sofa did a did a Kickstarter on a walls anthology just recently when there's been a little bit of interest in walls, and I noticed they did they they were totally oversubscribed, and that was simply based on um, putting out a podcast and the interest that that generated, and that was a wider general general public and not sort of a niche, you know, horror market, which I think is was interesting. So it's nice to see that yeah. there are some. You know, every now and again, there's a one opportunity which which really is can be exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing I was thinking about was I, I don't know if you've heard of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. They do a steampunk. Um, oh, Pip Valentine is a New Zealander, so um, yeah, so love, that's love Pip. yeah, so that's why I know of her. And and um, they have a series, a podcast series called Tales in the archives and I know they involve quite a variety of narr- um, narrators 
And what's nice there is they have a little story, and then you, they also do the, the interviews with the authors, which is a sort of nice little platform for those authors perhaps who don't have a bigger following. Um, so, yeah, so there are some opportunities for individual authors in, in, uh, sure. within this podcasting sort of business model if there is such a thing. The VS is looking at me as if to say there's no business. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice too that you can, you can reach, you know, if you're starting as a, you know, small published author or whatever, physical books, you're kind of limited to like, I'm going to do a reading in my town, I'm going to do this. If you're doing podcasts, it, you know, you can be like, hey, New Zealand, here's this thing I made. Hey, Britain, hey, Germany. Like, you're instantly worldwide, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, now that I think of it, we've actually probably sold tons of other people's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to start you asking a commission now, I think, aren't you? I think I, I think I have a business model. We'll have to talk about it after that. <laughs> no, but seriously, we, we've, we've had people tell us that, you know, appearing on the podcast has had a noticeable impact on their sales of their books so like even if you're not the person doing a podcast appearing on a podcast mm -hmm. will open up exposure that is is beneficial for sure so anyone yes. here wants to give rob their name afterwards <laughs> that would be fine <laughs> yeah no that's 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 great okay so if we're just talking about um you know, podcasts as a means of delivering reviews and critiques and interviews and story. You know, um, what do we do? We see podcasts as a way of kind of expanding the genre. I would. I think so. Um, I think there's one of the one of the hallmarks of horror of, of any of those types. Um, I mean, people love the gory details, and I think. Um, you know, you get plenty of that in, in film, uh, and then obviously if you're reading a book. But uh, I, th I think in terms of audio drama, there's so many different places that you can go with the concept of horror. I mean, my particular story deals with a serial killer. There's not a, there's, there are some ugly murders that happen, but not a whole lot of it. A lot of it is just psychological tension and, and horror. Um, and I think there's new ways to go with that um, and new ideas to explore that you know, people probably, you know, it sounds dumb to say, it, people have probably haven't thought of, you know, some, someone's going to do something with the audio medium that hasn't been tried before, whether it's like a found footage podcast or, you know, something like that, that kind of thing that kind of broke in horror movies is probably going to happen in audio and it's going to, you know, open up more doors for people to take back to their writing and, and other aspects of things that they're doing. Anybody else? Well, um, all right. Re reframe the, 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 the question again. Well, I do. Do you think that the, the opportunities within podcasting, so all of the things that we're doing, interviews and that sort of thing, do you think that we're actually expanding the genre? I okay. Yeah, I, I think I think we are because one of the, one of the things that um, we're we're increasing the access of information and we're in increasing the reach of certain conversations. Um, a, a fantastic uh, review and commentary podcast is uh, Faculty of Horror, which is um, a, um, it's a couple of ladies from Canada that, that do deep analysis of horror films with, uh, through, through a lens of um, feminist critique. And it's it, they they do some really 
really interesting stuff that you know it's made me aware of things that I had I had not I had not experienced and I had not seen you know when watching those movies so yeah, the the fact that we can get more voices out there um, and and expand the conversation. Yeah. One thing that I've seen from just like podcasts in general is um, I've seen collaborations and connections that people have that probably never would have happened if they didn't have the common thread of like yeah. having been on the same podcast or yeah. something like that. So I've seen people who, but I think that's one of the big powers is like podcasting kind of becomes its own community and um, you have this network of creativity that now has access to each other that maybe for regional reasons or for whatever maybe never would have happened before so it kind of brings a lot of powerful creativity together as well and then who knows what can come out of that you know anything can come out of that a book might come out of that you know whatever so yeah it's 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 definitely a I agree a mesh of, of creativity. Podcasts bringing people together. <laughs> huh. So expanding the genre, the view. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what Rob said, and I, I, we kind of half-jokingly say, we, when Rob says he's seen collaborations, it's because we've seen it firsthand from people that, that didn't know one another, but right. through a connection, through Booked. Um, and, and we've seen some great stuff come out of that. As far as expanding the genre, um, I just making it more accessible again i'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit you know you can previously yes radio dramas in the 1930s but uh the ability to take horror or, or any other genre with you to the the gym to your work and on long car drives um and taking you out of the very fixed i'm in front of my tv or i'm reading a book and i'm not to, i love reading books and god i love tv way more than i should um, but there's that, that third avenue when I'm not at home and can't give 100% of my attention to something, I can have pseudopod playing. Yeah. yeah. So. And, yeah, we, we aim for filling part, part of our, our length criteria is we aim to fill an average commute. A commute, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. You know, try, and, try and hit that, that sweet spot of 30 to 45 minutes mm -hmm. so that you can do you know, a whole episode during a commute, that that way you go ahead and you know kind of capture something that's pretty much lost time to everybody. Sure. And I think too that since it is such kind of an open market that anyone can get into, we in terms of expanding the genre, you're also giving access to voices, you know, uh, people of color, trans authors, feminist authors, women, people who generally don't aren't at the head of the line when it comes to getting, you know, promoted and yep. pushed out there. I think you might reach a lot of people with your story or, you know, someone's going to tune into Pseudopod or read, you know, and never having thought like, you know, oh, I should listen to more feminist literature or this. And maybe that's, that's the story this week is like, it's, maybe it's written by a trans person. Maybe you're listening to something, you know, from a Latino author, an African-American author, and, and you're you're instantly, you know, expanding your horizons without even meaning to, and, and then you're going to go seek more of that stuff out. So I think it's a good way to grow the, uh, make the tent bigger. Yeah. yeah, it's an equalizer for sure. Yeah, because horror so much is about the other, mm -hmm. and you know, getting getting those additional voices in that that haven't been, you know, included in traditional publishing. You know, I, it, Get, being able to provide that perspective of the other, you know, from other voices is, is really, mm. 
it, it's really important for you know expanding the genre and, and helping it grow to where it, where it should be. And I think to a degree, like um, depending on what type of podcast you're listening to, if it's more of like a discussion, um, people might be able to discover something about a genre that they didn't they didn't know otherwise. If my preconceived notion of horror was, you know, it's like always a slasher kind of thing. And that's all I thought horror was capable of. But then I'm listening to this thing, and then someone's discussing all of the different things that they've written or, or something like that. Suddenly I'm thinking, oh, that sounds like something I want to read. Yeah, absolutely. So, sure, like I'll so share. You, yeah. you get more of a notion of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think I, I always describe it as just something between, you know, through the looking glass, um, darkly, all the way up to, you know, eyeballs on a plate kind of thing. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's quite a spectrum. So you, what you're saying is quite true. You get, yeah. you get people tapping into another aspect of, an, of, of a writer's, um, you know, yeah. repertoire. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah. Can we go now to talk a little bit about production aspects? And I know Michael wants to jump right in and tell you how <laughs> nothing oh works when you want it to. Yeah. But, you know, we, we have talked about... The fact that all you need is a mic, you know, yeah. or your phone, or um, and and the fact that it's now accessible. So, can we just talk about the sort of the breadth that if we're talking about spectrums, the, the the spectrum of you know all you need is a mic, all the way to what you're doing with sound effects and you know voice talent and, and all the rest. Yeah, so, uh, I know. I always tease Rob about this because when I first got started, I'm like, what kind of mic should I buy? And he <laughs> gives me a recommendation like, oh, Blue makes good microphones. Get the Blue Nessie. And then like literally the next week, he's like, yeah, I just got this new mic that's not the Blue Nessie. It's a big fancy microphone. Um, but I think that's. A, I think you learn like depending on what it is that you're trying to do. Um, there are plenty of like you know, even you could even say like thirty dollar, ninety dollar microphones that will give you really good sound if you're just talking to people. Um, you just have to be creative. Like I don't. I don't have a huge budget, so my money was spent on uh, acoustic foam. You know, I got a twelve pack of squares for I think twenty dollars. Uh, uh, one of the science fair presentation boards, like the big three yeah. foot you know, with the wings, <laughs> put the foam on that, put the microphone in the middle of that, and that like now suddenly I can record. I could record in this space, and you wouldn't hear that bounce because one of my problems is, you know, my main character is this NPR style host, and if she comes on and says, you know, this is Tara Bay for playing public radio, and you hear this, you're like, why is she recording in her bathroom? You know, so. And, and that is not something, as I learned the hard way, that you can fix in post. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can fix after the fact, but reverb yeah. in a room is mm -hmm. not one of them. So, um, and uh, that's just led me to more, you know, picking more people's brains about different audio equipment. I am uh, actually getting different microphones. Me, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, but I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm upgrading the microphone, uh, you know, just to make my life easier, to make recording easier. Um, probably going to rent some studio time for some of the bigger scenes that have multiple characters, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, so it can, you know, I guess that's, that's pretty much it. It can get as big or as little as you want. Um, you could do it with a phone, you could do it with a laptop and a microphone. There's plenty of free software out there to edit and do multi-track recording if you're layering in sound effects. There's sites for free music, royalty-free, free sound effects. Um, so the world is your oyster. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot that you can do with a uh, with a box full of foam or a pillow fort or um, <laughs> didn't try the pillow. Pillow fort is really effective. That's, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that sounds great. <laughs> it, it feels very silly, but you know it it 
works really well for audio. Um, have a couple of podcasting friends that they were they were out house hunting, and one of the things is they 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 were they were feeling pretty positive about a house, and then they you know went into one of the closets and you know shut the door, and they ran out, grabbed the other one, pulled him into the <laughs> closet, shut the door, and it's like, what do you hear? Nothing. Yeah. We're we're it. This is it. <laughs> we're buying this. <laughs> you know, this is the place because you know having having an interior closet with uh, you know to to be able to to kill some of those echoes. Um, or a closet full of coats, you know, things there, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot that can be done on a very small budget to, to help with that, that audio quality, because one of the most important things is you don't want to try and fix it in post, you know, try and get the best that you can, because any, any reductions that you're doing in the, in, in the quality is going to reduce, is going to tear pieces out of the voice. Um, you know, you can you can get rid of some of the background stuff, but it's never it's never going to be quite quite perfect. Yeah, um, you can do a very low low budget. You can never do. I I wouldn't recommend doing no budget. Um, but um, yeah, there's definitely times where I've just been stuck, my head stuck into a closet with like a blanket draped over me to kill the noise. Um, with, with us, since we actually do interviews and stuff like that, another barrier that we have is essentially like sometimes we're talking to people over Skype, and if there's a bad internet connection, yeah, I will ask people to, yeah. We well, say this every week, <laughs> just so you know, every single week. Um, if someone said something, and like, I'm very particular, I'm very picky. And so if yeah. someone said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just probably coming across pretty obviously. Um, I'll ask people to re, you know, re-answer a question almost entirely if like a part of it sounded a little bit like you know, like we lost something. Because to me, the content is so important that I'll I'll be the jerk who says, "Hey, important author, can you say that again?" Because I didn't want to lose it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but realistically, there is. I think there's going too far. Like you can spend way more than you need to because like if you get a microphone that's like a hundred to two hundred dollars and you have a pretty decent setup where the sound is deadened enough you're going to get quality that is good enough to be almost unmistakably you know like the same as studio quality without spending all the hours of you know being in a studio and stuff like that so like you can get to 95 percent yeah yeah, on but a budget. you can't get all of Michael's team into <laughs> the closet, into yeah. Alex's yeah. closet. So yeah. that's really what it so, comes down to. Really, yeah. I was going to say, we can try. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> all we can do. So. Do you guys yeah. find a standing mic or a sitting mic give you better? Oh, do we look like we do a lot of standing? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, my posture for the podcast is, is hilarious. I've told Rob we should take pictures because half the time I'm leaned all the way back in my office chair with one foot on the edge of the desk. <laughs> Um, I think for what Michael does and, and for what the folks at Pseudopod do, I think it's almost critical. Um, yeah. Ours is a little more conversational. I don't yeah. feel that, that there would be much benefit to standing, but yeah, for voice actors, I can't imagine that yeah, you could do it any other way. Bar stool or standing is the best. something that forces Diaphragm. people yep. to you know straighten up and support their voice because uh, it's just even you know three inches of, of collapsing forward yeah. can just completely change the tone of the scene. So. Um, you know, that, and that again is the other nice thing about digital recording. You can do multiple takes. If someone's tired, you, let's just do this paragraph. Okay, take a break. You know, we'll, we'll do something else. Yeah. Come back. You know, yeah. so it's easy to keep the energy up for readings. 
one thing that I think that podcasts more like like ours, so you guys are all production value and there's sound effects and it, it's important, but I, I listen to quite a few um, just regular talk podcasts and there's just a startling lack of effort. Um, Rob talks about having people retake questions. I, I recently listened to, to a little bit of a podcast and there's very clearly Skype issues and there's that whole Skype's terrible conversation, this guy's breaking up and it wasn't removed. Like I'm listening to it as a listener in my car and all it takes is three mouse clicks to get rid of that in yeah. your editing software. So on top of being able to do it on a fairly low budget, just put in a little effort. Yeah. Remember that this is, if you're a writer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't allow that in a paragraph of your book. No. Don't allow it on your podcast, I guess is really what it comes down and, to. And don't encourage people to reach for the skip button. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a good point. So there is a, there's a reason for post-production, but yeah. Um, yeah. Right, well, we've got three minutes left, and so I'm going to throw it open to the floor if anyone would like to ask a question while we've got these experts here. Yes? What editing software do you use for audio? I've done video for that. Um, I, I have had the benefit for the better part of six years to not have to use any. <laughs> I uh, didn't, yeah. Yeah, so I'll let, Rob, I'll let Rob answer that question. I do the editing for Booked, and um, for the first few years I was using just GarageBand because I use a Mac, and now I'm using Logic. Um, Logic is awesome. Like it does, it does far more than I ever needed to. But Logic is is a really solid program, and it makes it really easy to do that. What I do is just like picking apart every little thing and and doing a lot of cutting and stuff like that. And it makes it easy to like kind of play around with um, making us sound better and stuff. So yeah. Audacity is a yeah. is a good. Yeah free yeah. version for Windows if you're a Windows user. I believe yeah. it's on Mac too, but I know yeah, for Windows. Yeah, there's Audacity. On the rare occasion well. yeah. that I have to do <laughs> that troublesome stuff, that's what I use. Yeah, I have I have heard from my audiophile friends for Audacity um, that it's, I, I guess, like a destructive editing program. So the more you do with it, oh, uh, that degrades certain types. It's harder to go back, I just, guess. He just was, do better first takes, exactly, Michael. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> He was telling me all this audio nerd stuff, and I was like, "Well, okay, maybe I won't use Audacity." But uh, yeah, yeah so, but I mean, for you know, if you're just doing an interview show or doing readings that you can get clean in one take, that kind of thing, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and Audacity kind of has a, a, a low bar of a lower bar of being able to get in and use it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Logic's intimidating. That sounds but, like yeah. my kind of low bar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the production. I, that, that's get that's it right it. first. I, I can I can use Audacity, and you know, I I really appreciate the hard work of our audio producers, you know, putting the episodes together and making them making them really sound good. Right. Well, that is all we have time for, unfortunately, and it went so fast. <laughs> and um, so I'd like to thank our panelists for their expertise, and I've learned a lot. And um, You've convinced me. It's something I need to be doing more of and listening to listening to more podcasts. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, thank you. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Thanks, everybody, guys. for coming. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. You just finished listening to it was Feruza Bulk. That's the name of the um, the 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 actor from The Craft. <laughs> We're talking about that like an hour ago. <laughs> you know, I wonder how well that movie holds up because I've got two options tonight. I can either watch um, the the 25 year anniversary, whatever comeback of Twin Peaks, or maybe The Craft. I know The Craft is on Netflix, so 
Oh, well, that's going to make it easier than me trying yeah. to sign into that Showtime app. Yeah. yeah. Servers in bulk. Crazy. Um, anyway, you just finished listening to our panel. And if you happen to be a horror writer or any writer, I'm hoping that um, you got something out of that where you could either be inspired to start your own podcast or um, know how you can use podcasts as an avenue to promote yourself. Yeah, big thanks to StokerCon for having us on that panel. A huge thanks to Lee Murray, who was a wonderful moderator. Um, as always, fun to talk to Michael, who's been a longtime friend of ours. And uh, meeting Alex was uh, was uh, very, very cool. There are, I don't say this out loud very often, there aren't a lot of podcasts that intimidate me. Pseudopod might be one of the ones that does. I have to give you credit throughout the panel you did a great job of balancing between like being complimentary to pseudopod and throwing serious shade at pseudopod, but like, well, that's like in a jokey yeah. fun way. Yeah. So. I, I, I have absolutely <laughs> nothing against those guys. I, I think what they do is wonderful. And as a matter of fact, um, I've spoken to Alex, um, after that, and, uh, we're going to see sometime this summer during the lazy summer of podcasting, if we can get him and, and the other gentleman from pseudopod, whose name eludes me right now, um, on to talk to us more about podcasting. And I'm sure we'll have Michael on once he gets Larkspur underground, um, off the ground, but I didn't mean that underground, sound right, off the ground. Yeah. 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 So the once that's up and running, we'll have uh, Michael on too. And hey, who knows, maybe we'll just have an episode where it's, where it's the people from, from that podcasting panel, minus <laughs> like, Lee Murray, like a reunion. <laughs> so if we have Lee Murray on, we'll have to do it like three in the morning or something because there's some kind of time zone issue with New Zealand. Yeah, I don't know if I want to. I don't know about that. So anyway, um, we'll see. But I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to those guys again. Coming up. Can I just say, Rob, yes. I'm going to throw this out there. If there's anybody, I really enjoy doing the panel a lot. If there's anybody who's having a convention, they want a couple panelists, you want to fly us out and put us up for the <laughs> night. Rob and I are down. So I'm saying, yeah. yeah, I don't think like, Rob would. I don't know you wouldn't be opposed to that. I'll dude. Anytime, anytime I'll do it. Um, yeah, especially if Elf Paul Wilson's going to be at your conference. That's that'll Livius will show up. <laughs> I'll show up. Hey, listen, people at this at StokerCon were like, who's that really smiley guy with, with <laughs> Rob from book? Because that's not something you see all the time. But yeah, you know, might have happened. Yeah, you look like the happiest vampire. So. There's a, there's a part where we were walking out of um, the bar <laughs> on the boat, and, and he was walking in. And I like turned around, I was pointing at everyone, like kind of like hopping up and down, pointing and telling everyone like mouthing, "That's F. Paul Wilson," and really nobody we were with cared. Yeah, literally nobody else cared. Well, I mean, there were. I think there was more confusion about like why is Livius jumping up and down like he just saw some celebrity, and it's because you did. You saw a celebrity. Okay. You saw a hero. All right. Next episode, uh, we're going to go back to reading uh, two episodes in a row. I think we're going to read books. I'm not going to promise that, but I do know next week, Nick Corpin's The Rebellion's Last Traitor um, will be reviewed here on Booked. And you want to tune in because I understand it's science fiction and, and people who know me know that science fiction, and I don't always have the best relationship. So we'll have to see how this goes over. Yeah. And as Livia's mentioned, um, there are other books in the future. We know that we're going to probably be talking about Josh Mallerman's new book that's uh, that's uh, set to release, I think, at the end of the month. And then I was recently, because I live in California right now, hanging out with David James Keaton, and he handed me a copy of that anthology that he put together, Hard Sentences, the um, the anthology that's um, 
collection of stories about Alcatraz. And all I'm going to say, he didn't write a story for that because he's the one of the editors. He co-edited it with Joe Clifford, but he wrote an introduction. And I've only read the introduction. I haven't read the other stories so far, but I think that might be the anthology winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, that would be a first, but certainly I'm, I'm open to that happening. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Good books so, coming up. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all we've got. Uh, go listen to our uh, our other podcast, The View. Um, so seriously, if you're watching Twin Peaks, um, we have uh, hey, episode. They're not even recaps. I don't even know what they are. What are we doing over there? It's kind of like a reaction, a discussion of our feelings of what we saw, um, what we think went well, what we think is kind of weird. I think it's like just kind of, you know, our growing relationship with the TV show Twin Peaks. Yes, so that is available. It's called The View Podcast, and uh, you can check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, and probably some other places, too. And Livazon.com. Livazon.com. That's where everyone should just go together. Just go to Livazon.com, yeah. All right. right, All right, until next time, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.